0: Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Hey, we are on uh, week three of this uh, The Space Between series, and if you are just uh, joining us tonight, you can catch up on the podcast or on our YouTube page Uh, We encourage you to do that. But basically, just to sum this up, this whole series has been centered around this idea that God has done everything in his power to eliminate the space between you and him. That everything he's done has been to fight to get that back with you, that relationship back that we saw in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. And so week one, we looked at what happened in the garden and we looked at how God handled that. Um, and and that really just set the stage for the whole series. So we encourage you to go back and to try to listen to it in sequence if you can. But if not, uh, tonight will still make sense. I've entitled this talk tonight, Don't Stop Short. And, uh, you know, Sunday we just celebrated Palm Sunday. So for those of you guys who don't know what Palm Sunday is, Palm Sunday is a week before Jesus died when he's entering into Jerusalem. You see this picture, you read about this picture of Jesus riding into Jerusalem Um, on a donkey, and people are laying down palm branches as as he's walking across them, as the donkey's walking across them. So it's called the, the triumphal entry. Now, the symbolism of this story is just amazing to me because, you know, so many people pictured this Messiah coming back as this conquering king, this war hero, and Jesus came back as this servant. This guy who loved people, who showed compassion and and was just such an incredible human being, but he was so opposite of what people expected him to look like. So not only is the symbolism of him not riding in on a stallion, wielding a horse, but coming in on the back of a donkey. Amazing. But what I also find amazing is, is how this story took place. Now, if you read back a, a few verses before Jesus enters the city, you see that he turns to a couple of his disciples and he says, Hey, I need you to go into town and uh, you're going to find a donkey and I need you to grab the donkey. I need you to bring the donkey back. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, you can tell him it's for me and this is what's happening. And so his disciples, you know, they listen, which is crazy because I'd be like, "Are you, what? am I going to enter jail if I do this? Like, what are you? I, I can't just go steal a donkey, Jesus. You know, but he gives them instruction. They listen to it they go in and everything happens exactly how jesus said it was going to happen they go in they get the donkey somebody asked them they informed them what jesus said and and they take the donkey they bring it back to jesus and then it says they took their cloaks their outer garments and they laid it on the back of the donkey and then jesus sat on those garments on the donkey that they went to get and then jesus enters into the city of jerusalem on the back of this donkey now, what I think is just in such an incredible image is that Jesus could have come into that city however he wanted. Jesus didn't need help from anybody. I mean, Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He could have done whatever he wanted, but he chose to involve humanity again in what he was doing. He chose to involve his disciples in His this triumphal entry. And so Jesus is literally riding in the city of Jerusalem, on the back of obedience from his disciples. His disciples listened to what he asked him to do. He involved them in what he was doing, and he enters the city on the back of their obedience, on the back of their surrender, on the back of their submission, on the back of them saying, you know what, this doesn't really make sense, and I'm kind of scared I'm going to get arrested, but if you said to do this, I'll listen and I'll do it however crazy it sounds. I'll just be obedient. Jesus chooses to involve them in this moment where he's honored, where he's lifted up, where he's glorified, and as he walks into the city and makes this entrance, the biggest part of this is the obedience from his disciples. Now, I believe tonight that Jesus desires, God desires to enter into your family on the back of your obedience and your surrender and your submission. I believe that he wants to come into your workplace, come into your school, your classroom, your friend group, this community on the back of our obedience. To say, God, I might not understand everything that you say, but I'll listen and I'll do it. I'll have faith that what you say is good, what you say is true. I'll be aware enough to even listen to what you're asking me to do. So I want to speak to you tonight about this idea of not stopping short in your walk with God. Uh, we, there's a passage of scripture in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 that we're going to look at in just a second. It's a few verses. And to give you a little context, this is Paul on his deathbed. He's about to die. And he's writing to his protege to basically give him the last bits of advice that he can. Anybody in here ever see the Denzel Washington movie, John Q? Hello, is anyone in the room? <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know if everyone got up and left. Um, hey, you can talk back. This isn't meant, this isn't a class. This is supposed to be a, uh, a conversation. All right. Anybody ever seen the movie John Q? <laughs> okay. I guess you guys just don't get out much. Um, you should go watch it. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. Um, but it's basically this movie where Denzel Washington is, uh, is fighting to save his son who has this heart condition. And, uh, I won't give anything away, but there's a scene at the end of the movie where, where Denzel knows that he's about to die and he has one last conversation with his little boy. And, oh, you talk about getting wrecked from a scene. This is one of those scenes. And so he's sitting next to his son who's in a hospital bed, knowing that this is the last conversation he's ever going to have with them. And he's just like saying things like, always look after your mom you know, be a good person, work hard, be a man of integrity, be a man of character. And it is just like the ultimate tearjerker moment because he's literally trying to take all of life, funnel down what's most important and leave his little boy with that. And whenever I read this passage of scripture, where Paul is saying these things to Timothy. I believe it's one of those moments where Paul is trying to encapsulate the most important things of serving God in this walk with God and to leave it to this guy who he's lived with, who he's been training, who has been doing ministry with, him, to say, this is what's important. This is what you need to remember. This is what you need to pursue. And so in chapter one of 2 Timothy, Paul starts off by giving context to all the instruction that he's about to give. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So he's basically saying, everything that I'm about to say to you is for you to achieve, for you to walk in, for you to live in the life that is promised to you through Jesus. And so as we talk tonight in this whole series about God eliminating the space between you and him is so that you never settle, you never stop short of the walk with God that you were intended to have that Jesus came and gave the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate sacrifice, paid the ultimate price so that you could have an intimate, close relationship with God. So he's saying to Timothy, he's saying, all this that I'm about to say to you, this this is how you attain this promised life that's in Jesus. We're gonna skip down to verse eight. And he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoners, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us, say saved us, And called us, say called us, to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, say purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. I encourage you to go back and read this chapter for yourself, but you see this main theme that he's talking about and saying, for you to walk in this promised life that is offered to you through Jesus. A lot of it comes down to two things. It comes down to your salvation and your calling. For you to, to do this life with no space in between you and God, for you to have intimacy in this close relationship with Him, two integral parts of that, it begins with your salvation and it leads to your calling. The fullness of life, the fullness of life in Jesus encapsulates these two things. Now, if you take either one out of context, if you mess up the order, or if you just choose to stop short, you're not going to have that promised life that's being offered to you that Jesus died for you to have. And so I want to talk to you tonight about these these two things, and I, and I hope that you leave here tonight realizing that God desires to do something in your family. God desires to do something in your workplace, in your environment, your circle of, of friends, in your community, in your neighborhood. And he desires to involve you in it. He desires to ride in on your obedience, on, on your surrender, on your submission to him in every way. So let's look at the context really quick and the order of what he's talking about. It's no coincidence that he starts off by saying he saved us, and then he called us. So salvation is the first thing that you see here. Now, the context of salvation is something that we always, always, always need to remind ourselves of because it will always get tweaked out if you don't come back to it and remind yourself what it's really about. Listen to this. Salvation is for you, but it is not about you. Salvation is for you, but it's not about you. Jesus died because he loves you. God sent his son because he loves you and he desires a, a relationship with you. But the focus of salvation is the giver and the gift. That's the focus. Is that this God who is full of grace, who is full of mercy, who loves you so much that he sent his son down to earth to pay the ultimate price to look past everything to wipe your slate clean to pay the penalty to reap the consequences of your decision so that you could have eternal life and that you could walk with him now but so often if we're not careful we allow salvation to not just be for us but we start to believe that it's about us so salvation it's about the giver it's about the gift and it is you're, you're in the equation there because the gift was, was for you. But the Bible is so clear in multiple places, especially in Ephesians, about describing salvation as a free gift. Now, I, I love the word choice here because isn't it understood that if someone gives you a gift, it's free? But he's like so driving the point home that it is a free gift. In case I'm not clear on the whole gift thing, it's a free gift. There's nothing that you could have done to earn this. Your obedience is not needed to supplement God's grace. Jesus' death on the cross was that good. It was that amazing that it covers everything. And so there's nothing that you could do to be more saved. There's nothing that you could do to be loved by God anymore. And there's nothing that you could do to be loved by God any less. That those decisions were made before you ever took your first breath. Now, it's important to note, like I said a second ago, that salvation comes first in the sentence, and then it leads to calling. And that's important because your worth and your value is found in salvation, not in your calling. Okay? So your worth is not dependent on what you're called to do. In other words, if you... Um, if your calling may, may seem to have more influence in the moment than somebody else's, that does not mean that you are of more value to God. Your value and your worth can be seen in everything that God has done for you. For you. And it is all about Him and all about how good He is and how, all about how gracious and, and merciful and patient and loving and kind and compassionate this God really is. When you understand salvation in the proper context, that it's not about me, but it is for me. And you know who else it's for? Anybody and everybody. That the Bible says that he died so that whosoever, it doesn't matter the decisions that you made. It doesn't matter how bad you think you messed things up that the gift was that good, that the gift was that amazing, that anybody who turns and says, Jesus, I accept what you've done, I give you my life, ask you to forgive me, that you can have eternal life, that you can have salvation, that you can now walk with God. When you understand salvation in the proper context, the logical next step should be your calling. The logical next step is that this is so crazy, this is so good, and this is just not for me. This is for everybody else. That logically, you should start to feel like, I need to tell other people about this. You know, isn't it so crazy when you, you get a good deal on something Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's clothes, maybe it's car, maybe whatever it is. You get a good deal uh, or you find out that that a a store offers like Pizza Tuesdays where pizzas are like half off. You can't keep your mouth shut. You tell everybody on the stinking block, did you know that they do Pizza Tuesdays? Yeah, we didn't. it changed our life. You know, isn't it so funny that we can't shut up about a good deal, but when we've experienced the goodness of God, we can't get ourselves to talk about it. When you start to understand how amazing it is, how good God is, how crazy this gift actually is, the logical next step should be, God, who are you calling me to talk to? What are you calling me to do? Because this changes everything. This changes everything. This has made such an impact in my life. I can't hold my mouth shut. I I can't not tell somebody about this. He says your promised life in Jesus, what this life is supposed to look like, there's no space in between. It has to do with you understanding that you are saved, that you are of so much value and worth to God. He loves you that much. And then understanding that not only did he die for you, but now he wants to use you. He wants to involve you in what he's doing. Now, I love that he follows that up with talking about God's purpose and God's grace. Because if you understand that your salvation is all about the giver and the gift, then that leads you into a healthy way to pursue and investigate your calling, which is centered around the purpose of God. And when you're pursuing the purposes of God for your life, what you will start to experience is God's grace. Because God graces what he purposes. But this is the opposite. When you allow salvation to become more about you than it actually is, and you start to think that your salvation is supplemented by how good you did this week or how bad you did that week, starting to feel like, oh, you know what? I've, I've done pretty well for myself. I've made some good decisions. My family's put together because of everything that I've done. You start to take God's grace and, and Jesus, this gift, out of the picture, and it starts to become more about you. Well, then what starts to happen is that your calling, because it's a product of your understanding and context of salvation, your calling starts to become more about you. And here's the thing, God does not grace what he hasn't already purposed. God desires for you to walk in the calling that he has for your life. God desires for you to pursue his purpose. And when you begin to do that, when you begin to walk in that, you will start to experience God's grace. If salvation starts to become more about you than it is, how can your calling not? This calling of of spreading this news, if right in the beginning, the first step, this news that you're spreading has way more to do with you than it actually does, how could it not affect your calling? If salvation is centered around you, your calling is going to be centered around you. Your calling can only serve two purposes. It can serve God's purpose or it can serve your purpose. Now have you ever tried to work with somebody and you have, maybe it's on a project at school, maybe it's on a project at work, maybe it's with your hands, maybe it's thinking through something, but you try to work with somebody and you have two different visions of how you're supposed to accomplish this? Is that not the most frustrating thing? Especially like if you're, you have to work with the person, you know, and you're just so frustrated because you're convinced that you're right and they're convinced that they're right and you're just going in two different directions, What's crazy about that is you can spend so much time, so much conversation, you can spin your wheels, spin your wheels, spin your wheels, and you don't get anywhere. You don't get anywhere. How many people in the Christian walk, you spend a whole lot of time being frustrated, being aggravated, having a lot of conversations, spinning your wheels and spinning your wheels, and you never get anywhere? Maybe it's because you and God are on separate pages. Maybe it's because this calling has been, started to become more about you than it is. And maybe it is morphed into this thing where it's actually going to further your purpose and your desire. And, and somewhere along the way, you've stopped being so interested in what God's will is, what God's desire is, what God's heart is, and you've started to focus more on what you think is right and what you think you should do and what you wish God would call you to. Looking at somebody else's influence or somebody else's talent or somebody else's gifting and, and being so Envious of that, that this whole calling thing ends up just revolving around you instead of other people. What a miserable way to live, and yet we all do it. We all do it. When you are living to further your own purpose, and God is not gracing what He hasn't purpose, because He does have a purpose for your life. Man, that is a life full of comparison, full of jealousy. You'll always be envious of other people, full of offense, full of striving, full of frustration, full of stress. It's miserable. It's miserable. And it will affect your walk with God because you're on two separate pages. So Paul is saying, man, this promised life in Jesus, it comes back to you. You want to make it all simple? If I could leave you with anything, you understanding that you are saved you understanding your salvation, and then you understanding that you're not just saved, but that you're called, and this all revolves around the purpose and the grace of God. Now, chances are there's a lot of people in here tonight that you're like, you literally just defined how I feel right now. Like, as much as I don't want to admit it, and I would never say it with my mouth, I do feel envious of other people. I do feel frustrated. I feel like I'm striving. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not... And, and I don't really know how I got here. And and my salvation was real. Like, I did have this moment with God. I, I had this time with God where it was so real, and I accepted it, and I don't know what happened. What I want to remind you of tonight is just this theme of don't stop short. So many people, you will experience this revelation that God has sent his son to die for you, that he's paid the ultimate price for you. And it can be so overwhelming, it can be so impactful, it can be just so real in the moment, and you accept salvation, and then you stop. And this is the danger of that, is that when it stops on you, it's a matter of time before it starts to revolve around you. Your salvation is attached to purpose. Your purpose is not attached to your worth, you can find that in your salvation, but out of God's goodness, He says, "Not only do I save you, but now I'm going to use you. Now I'm going to involve you in what I'm doing. When you stop after salvation, what you're doing is you are forfeiting the opportunity to partner with God. No, I'm good. I'm busy. I'm comfortable. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm good enough with just knowing that You died for me." <laughs> I'm, I'm alright, but I'll let you know if I change my mind. You talk about intimacy with God. You talk about this relationship that you were created for. Not only does the Creator come to Earth and give His own life, but then He follows that up with saying, "Hey, now work with me, partner with me. I want to use you. I, I want you. I want to. I want to ride on the back of your obedience and your submission, your ability to listen. I just want to. I'm going to use you to spread this this good news." This gospel, I want to use you to reach people. So many of us were like, ah, you know what? I'm just really busy right now, God. Work is crazy. Work is crazy. And honestly, I'm kind of cool with just showing up at church, getting my fix for the week, and then barely getting through till the next Sunday or the next Tuesday, and then I'll get that fix again. You see, God contributes towards eliminating the space between by offering you partnership and what he's doing. You just can't stop short. You can't stop after salvation and never get to the point where you start to investigate and pursue, God, what do you have me to do? God, who do you want me to talk to? God, What, what this season of life that I'm in, whether I'm enjoying it or whether I'm so frustrated, what, what am I supposed to be doing right now? God, speak to me. God, I don't want to just make this about me, and I don't want to just do my own thing and chase my own desires, but I want you to guide me. I want you to lead me. You see God's heart. It's not like he's like, hey, I'm going to save you, and then I'm going to put you off to the side until you die, and then we'll get close. But isn't that really how a lot of us live? hey, God, I'm looking forward to spending an eternity with you, so I'm just going to do the next 60 years, and then we'll we'll check in later. God's like, no, 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 I saved you. I want to work with you. I want to work in you. I want to work through you now. You know, isn't this crazy, as we've been looking these last few weeks, that God has done everything to eliminate the space between us? You know, the only thing that has the power to put that space back is your own self-righteousness. That's the, that's the only thing that has the ability to, To put a gap between you and God is your own perceived uh, lack of a need for him. That's that's the only thing that can get in the way of you and him at this point. Jesus came to earth for salvation, to give you salvation. Jesus left the earth offering you a partnership. He came and saved you. And then right before he left, he's like, now I want to use you. It's called the Great Commission. I want to change the world through you. I want to change your family through you. I want to change your friends through you. I want to change your workplace through you. I want to change your whole neighborhood, your whole street, your whole block, that whole PTA that you're a part of, that whole golf league that you're a part of, that whole whatever. I want to change that through you. I want to use you. See, part of your connection with God is him using you to reach other people. That's part of it. Some people, you never get to experience the full aspect of a walk with God because you never get to the point where you make it about others. It just remains on you. And a huge part of your walk with God, don't take it from me, take it from Jesus. A huge part of your relationship with him is getting to the point where you stop just making it about you and your comfort and your complacency and you being busy and you being stressed at the moment and you working for your purposes big part of it is just saying, God, I'm ready to submit, surrender, to be obedient to what it is that you have for me. And this is the crazy thing. As you start to pursue your calling, and as you start to pursue others and serve others and love others, bless others, you grow. Because as you make it about others, God builds you up. God grows you. God does things in you. You're never more like Jesus than when you love and serve other people. Check this out. You could spend the rest of your life coming to church every single week focusing on I want to be more like Jesus and you would be less like Jesus than if you just made it about other people for the rest of your life and said, hey, I want to serve and love the people around me. Jesus came to serve and love people. So many Christians can get so spun up about attending good things, amazing things, things that are awesome, conferences, and listening to to worship music, all of these things, trying to get closer to God, and yet you never turn and emulate Jesus in saying, now let me point this to everyone around me. Let me encourage everyone around me. Let me pray with people around me. Let me speak life into people around me. Let me seek God to use me where I'm at right now in this season of life. And you're throwing away an opportunity to partner with God. You know that the church works best when it's full of people that aren't just saved, but it's full of people that are saved and are pursuing what God has for them. That is a picture of the church, how the church was supposed to be. You want to look at the the New Testament church. It was a church that was consumed with serving, with loving, with blessing, with helping others. It wasn't inward focused. It was outward focused. Yet the modern American church can get so easily, get so focused on attendance and and we'll see you next week. You're missing out on such a huge part of your walk with God. Huge part. You can't stop short. You can't afford to stop short. I want to invite the band to come up as I begin to, to close. And I want to read you another portion of scripture from Paul. In Romans, and you're going to start to see some of the stuff that we were talking about. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want to stop right there, real quick. Again, like we talked about the whole free gift thing, a little repetitive. Isn't it understood that when you sacrifice something, it's now dead? So, by him saying a living sacrifice means that even though you're sacrificing it, it's not dead. If it's still living, you got to keep sacrificing it over and over and over and over and over and over. And so this guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament is saying, this is an ongoing battle. (laughs) This is something that you're always going to have to put to death and sacrifice and work on and pursue and remind yourself of. It's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God purpose of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, not to making it about you, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ, According to the grace given to us, let us use them. Don't stop short. You're all gifted in something else. Your calling might not look like your calling, which might not look like your calling, but it doesn't matter who's good at what, who's gifted at what, who's called to what. The whole idea here is don't make it about yourself. Don't stop short. Use what God has given you. Use the platform. Use the influence. Talk to the people around you. Pray for the people around you. Use what you got because God eliminates the space between by offering this partnership with you to work in you, to work through you, to those around you. Now, Some of you in here, the moment that you start to hear this trigger word, calling, you think that what I'm talking about is praying if God is asking you to quit your job and to become a missionary in like Quebec. Is that Canada? So I don't even know if they need missionaries. Probably not Quebec. But you're like, what, calling, that just, oh, no, I'm not talking about that. 99% of the people in here, what you are called to do is affect the world that you live in right now. Your sphere of influence right now. You are surrounded by people who will never set foot in this church, who would never set foot in any church, but they know you. But they trust you, but they've seen your life, they see your choices, they see how you handle yourself, and you have an audience of people that God has entrusted you with to say, I want to use you. And so when we talk about this, this word calling, doesn't mean full-time ministry, it means a life of ministry. It means a life of maybe you don't change what you do, but you change why you do it, and you change the attitude with how you do it. That when you go to that job that you currently have, the difference is you're not just going in to get through 9 to 5 and then relax overnight. You're going there saying, God, give me an opportunity to speak to somebody. God, give me an opportunity to encourage someone, to pray for somebody. God, use me in this workplace. Use me in this meeting. God, God, while I'm on vacation, speak to me. If there's someone that I'm, I'm visiting in Florida, God, give me a window to speak into this person's life. That God, this isn't just about me. This is about everyone else. I love this quote by Mother Teresa because it's so practical. She says, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and start with the person nearest you. I mean, what I, other than Jesus, one of the people that made the biggest impact that the world has ever seen, the practicality of saying, don't worry about how big something is. Don't worry about the influence of something. You just worry about helping people and start with the person closest to you is such wisdom, such wisdom. There's so many church people that you're like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm waiting for God to show me what I'm called to. And you've been saying that for five stinking years, and you've done nothing but make it about you. That's awesome. You should be pursuing what God has, has for you, what God has called you to. But it should never be at the expense of stopping, serving, and loving the people around you. God has you where you're at for a reason. Every season has a reason and you should be investigating that reason. God, what do you have for me right now? God, let me be obedient with what you're asking me to do right now. God, whoever's in my path, whoever's in front of me, whoever's around me, God, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to say. Show me how you want me to pray. God, use me in this season and you will start to experience a relationship and an intimacy with God that you couldn't get if you just stopped short and it remains all about you. I want to ask you to stand up as we begin to to close out. I really pray that, that this series over these last few weeks has kind of opened your eyes to understand how God has handled himself when sin entered the picture. I hope you've seen a window in God's heart for you in your worth and your value to God. And tonight, I hope that you start to see that as amazing as this is for you, it's not meant to stop with you. It's meant to spread to those around you. And living in life when at some point we're gonna die and how much money I accrued means nothing. The cars that I have mean nothing. The house that I lived in means nothing. Everything just fades away at some point. How amazing is it that this God of all eternity gives you the opportunity to have eternal impact? Eternal impact that you can be involved in saving somebody's life and bringing hope to the hopeless. It's incredible. It's a gift. It's an opportunity to partner with him. If you're here tonight and, and you need prayer for anything, maybe it's something we talked about, maybe you're just discouraged, maybe there's something going on in your life. We got some people in the back that would love to pray with you, that would love to just listen to you, encourage you. And so as soon as we start to sing the song, you can make your way back and they'd love to just listen and, uh, and pray with you. For the rest of us, man, if you're here and you're just like, God, I want to be used by you. I just want to encourage you. We're going to pray for a second. As we begin to pray, if you want to lift your hands, you can lift your hands. If you want to just pray this out for yourself, just begin to say, God, I don't ever want it to become about me. God, or maybe it has. God, help me to make it about others. God, help me to accept this invitation to partner with you. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done. God, we thank you, Lord, that you don't just offer us salvation, but you involve us in what you're doing. God, I'm sorry for the times of life, the seasons of life where I have allowed it to become all about me. God, I'm sorry for the, the opportunities that I've overlooked because I've just been pursuing my own purpose and my own desires and the things that I want in life. God, I pray, Lord, that if I go there, if I drift there, that, Holy Spirit, you would check my heart. Holy Spirit, you would bring it to my attention, that I would be reminded that life is short, that I'm in a season right now where I can impact those around me. God, we're a community that wants to accept this invitation of partnership, that wants to be used by you. God, I pray that you enter my family on the back of my obedience. God, I pray that you enter this village of Patchog on the back of the obedience and surrender and submission of every person in this room. God, I pray that you would open our eyes tonight of what you want to do, of what you desire to do in our circles of influence. Holy Spirit, we just give you our lives tonight. We give you our desires, our passions, we ask that you'd have your way in us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.